Aloha, happy Wednesday. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Yanji Denise, joined by Ryan Kalei Suji. This is Spotlight Hawaii. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. We know we have a very popular guest today, and Ryan, we want to get right to her because there are a lot of questions. That's why we want to bring in, uh, as you said, a popular guest, Anne Perroyo-Stock. We are the Director of uh, Labor and Industrial Relations. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Director. Let's start off with some of the news that was made last week, a big announcement regarding unemployment claims moving forward. If you can update us on some of those developments and talk us through some of those changes. So good morning, and again, thank you so much for having me, I appreciate it. But before I get started, I just wanna congratulate the both of you and Spotlight Hawaii <laughs> for receiving the International Tele Award. What a great accomplishment. So congratulations, how exciting so for, for you and Hawaii as a whole. So yeah, thank, thank you so much. Thank you. And, but what I really wanna talk about also is um, the new work search requirements that um, have been lifted. So there was a requirement initially prior to the pandemic um, that claimants look for three work searches. And um, that requirement ha had been um, alleviated temporarily by the flexibilities from the um, extended um, programs that was implemented through the CARES Act and through ARPA. And so what we're doing now is we're re-implementing that requirement. So as of May 30th, so the week starting May 30th, Claimants are now going to be required to look for three work search contacts and keep a log and report to the Unemployment Insurance Division on a weekly basis um, through your bi-weekly filing on whether you look for work or not. Okay, let's dive a little deeper into those work search requirements. Um, what is the appropriate kind of job to look for? Let's say you were in a certain sector of the economy. Do you have to apply for a job that you know you are suited for? Do you apply, you know, what, what co constitutes, because I believe the phrase is suitable work. What constitutes suitable work and, and how is this verified? Well, suitable work really um, pertains to refusal of work. So an, if an employer offered you work, and it was suitable work and you refused, then you could um, lose your benefits. So suitable work is defined as employment that the claimant has the customary skills or um, ability to perform and pays an amount that is really normal in that occupation or in that profession. And so that's what suitable work is, but that does not mean that um, that's really referred to when you refuse work and whether you refuse suitable work. And so when we say you're looking for work, you're looking for work that you um, have the ability to do. You know, you have the skill set. Um, you also were trained in that area to do that work. We also have individuals who went back to receive some type of um, workforce training in order to be able to perform um, a function in a job that they've never done before. And how does that apply to those who may be part-time uh, or, or a part-time job, maybe it's not a full-time position, uh, does that qualify as uh, suitable work under this, these categories? Okay, so what happens is normally you're determined whether you're a total employee um, claimant, a partial um, claimant, or what we call a part-total claimant. And so if you're a total claimant, that means you were working full-time and lost your full-time job, and we expect you to look for work um, for full-time employment. If you are a part-time um, employee, that, I mean, I'm sorry, partial claimant, that means that you are still attached to your employer. You are full-time, 
and now you only have partial hours or have not yet been called back but are still attached, you do not need to look for work. And if you are what we call a part total, meaning you lost your full-time job, but you're still working at your part-time job, you're required to look for work for a new full-time job. Okay, I want to bring in uh, this question from Jane, and uh, or I don't know if it's maybe it's Mary Jane, but um, she says here, and it, this is her specific circumstance, but I think it could apply more broadly. My mom was hired part time from her work, got laid off during the pandemic. She will be going back to work in June as a part time worker again. Does she need to do a job search to be eligible for unemployment? So I think this is sort of one of the circumstances that you were just talking about. Right. So if you um, are part time, you need to look for full time work. And so you would be you would be looking for three job contacts. Um, if you are a part time worker and you qualified, you may be receiving some partial benefits, but not total benefits. OK, we also want to bring in um, another question here, and it's more about the process. Do we send a hard copy of our job search looking for a job search portal? Uh, your help is greatly appreciated. What does that process look like when they are uh, mentioning it? You said that they would have to do that filing. If you can talk us through how that go, uh, how they would go about doing that. Right. So on their weekly claim certification, so they, you're really going to be a bi-weekly um, claimant, but you file each week separately when you file with us. So on your weekly claim certifications, you're going to be asked the question whether you look for work, how many job contacts you you made. If you say um, you did not look for work, a box will pop up to notify you that you need to look for work, that you are totally unemployed and that you're required to look for work. Also, if you do not state that you look for three job contacts, it will tell you that looking for just two or one job contacts is not enough and that you are required to look for three job contacts. At the time of your filing, you will not be required to upload any hard copies or give us any detail about the work search um, methods you use to get your three job contacts. The only time you will be asked for a log, which you're required to keep, you're required to keep a log. And we have a copy of that log on our brand new website if you want to download it. You do not have to keep um, records on the log, but you can just write it down and make sure you keep the pertinent information needed, like the log requests. Um, but if you get chosen for what we call RECI, that's a reemployment program, as well as um, quality control reviews or internal audits, then you may, um, well, you won't, may, you will get asked um, for a copy of your logs and a review will be done to see if you did make three job contacts. If you did not, you will be referred to the unemployment insurance office and an issue will be created and a claims examiner will have to do a fact-finding review just like every other adjudication issue to determine whether you're still eligible for benefits or not for that week because you did or not look for work or you did not make three job contacts. And if you say you made three job contacts and in fact it's discovered that you didn't, do you have to pay the money back? If you get paid for that week, and it's determined that you're not eligible for the week, yes, you would then owe the money back. Uh, we also wanted to get an update on the call center. We know that there have been some issues, uh, that it was shut down for some time. If you can update us on the conditions and what is happening there. Yes. And so, yes, the call center has been closed since um, last week, Wednesday. And we just opened up back up this morning. We did a thorough review cleaning of the um, areas that were affected and everything is back up and running. 
And so we are able to service our clients as um, again today. Well, that's great news. Um, there's a question here from Wesley uh, going back to, you know, I know that a lot of companies have started to hire some people back, but they're not open at full hours. They still have limited capacity, whether it's restaurant or retail or what have you. So he says, if we are hired at a new job as full time, but only have partial hours until winter, will that count or do we still need to do the three searches? So if you're you're hired um, for a full time job and they're only giving you partial hours, then you will report your partial hours. So you'll be a what we call a partial claimant. And um, we will go from there. If then you lose your job totally, then you will have to look for um, three job contacts. Uh, I'm wondering if you can also update us on just where you're at with uh going through the backlog of these claims. Of course, we know that there was uh, just this surge and that over time you guys have continued to trickle that and bring that number down, uh, going through some of these more complicated claims with adjudicators. Where are you at right now with the total number of claims and those outstanding that are still waiting to be processed? So we have about 153,000 active claims, uh, as well as about 38,000 PUA active claims. And so with those active claims, we know that we are going through some of them who's, who have adjudication issues, but not all the way back to March of last year. So things have, you know, gone through, new issues have been created, new, new refusals of work, new um, separation issues. Majority of the claims from March have been looked at and have been cleared up. We do still have some separation issues, which is the voluntary left and the misconduct that we are still trying to get through. I don't have specific numbers for you on adjudication issues, I, but we do keep stats on how many claims we pay out. So we do know that we have 153,000 active claims for regular unemployment and again, 38,000 for poor. I want to get to Cheryl's question here because I think it relates to a lot of parents um, and, you know, school is still not full time for a lot of folks. So she says, hi, I'm a single parent. I lost my job due to COVID. I'm on PEUC, now mandatory to look for work. My question is that since my kids will be on summer break and I was not prepared for childcare during the summer, but am planning to look for work once my kids go back to in-person learning in August, how will this affect me or other single parents in my situation? Don't necessarily need to be a single parent. Uh, there could be working parents who can't figure out exactly how to juggle childcare right now. If you have this childcare issue, can you still qualify for these benefits? So there are lots of individuals out there, right, who are struggling in um, regards to childcare and um, distance learning. So as usual with unemployment insurance, um, summer is always an issue, not just during the pandemic, even more so though during the pandemic, but it's always an issue. Children are then no longer attending school and um, some kind of care must be looked for. So what we do is we look into see if you then reached out to the um, summer um, care programs that are um, advertising for um, child care. We also look to see if you look back at those that you used in the past to see if they're available so that your, your children can be taken care of during the summer. So it's never an excuse not to have child care just because it's summer. But if it's linked to the pandemic, say there are childcare um, programs out there, but they're full. You know, they take now, instead of 200 students, they'll take only 100 because of the distance learning. And um, so they're full and they no longer can take um, in, in your area, in your school area. Then we will look at that and we will 
be able to work with you to decide, is it a childcare issue? And if it is, and it's due to the pandemic, then we would have to move you from regular unemployment insurance over to the poor unemployment insurance. And that's because you, it, there is no exception for childcare under regular unemployment insurance. The exception is under poor. And I know a lot of claimants get upset because we're constantly moving them from PUA to regular, regular to PUA. And that's because of all the different federal regulations we have to follow. And child care is one of them. You know, with this new requirement of the three job search uh, for those who are making this claim, I'm wondering what you anticipate uh, that will do to those number of claimants. It, are you in touch with, you know, other departments on the mainland who have already began this process, what they're seeing in their numbers? How do you think this will impact the state overall in the wide scope of our labor workforce and those unemployment uh, claims that are being filed right now? So there's mixed reviews in many of the states. It just really depends on the circumstance of the state, um, such as Hawaii, we really rely on tourism. It is starting to come back, but not all jobs are being called back, right? And so we still have a limitation. We also know that um, employers are calling back uh, workers, but in temporary positions only. So if you are being called back in a um, temporarily and being paid partial, you do not have to look for work. So that won't impact you. But if you are totally unemployed, it brings us to a point where you're starting to get back into the um, routine of looking for work, looking to see if there's anything that fits your needs and whether employers um, see that your skills are needed in their area um, of, of need. And so it gets us back to that point. If you do have issues, um, you know, receiving work, then that's okay. But as long as you looked for work, that's what we're looking at. And I wonder if you could just talk a little bit more about the requirements, um, because let's say you were making $20 an hour before the pandemic, and now there are some jobs in your area that are available for $12 an hour. Are you required basically to take whatever is out there or do can you only apply in whatever sector you worked before or at whatever income level you were at before? Do you have to basically take whatever there is? So, so that's a tricky question, right? And so we're asking um, claimants just to look for any type of work, just to get them back into the workforce, get them started. Um, if, Of course, if they were being paid $20 an hour, that's the um, area they're going to start looking for, right? They're going to be looking for the pay that's equivalent to what they had prior to losing their job. At some point, though, depending on how long um, this continues to move on, requirements may change within the the um, need of um, those looking for work and what we expect of them. And so if the market shows that there are no jobs in that um, pay scale and that there are many jobs in other pay scales, we, are, we will then at some point require claimants to lessen the requirements that they're looking at to get some type of work so that they can start getting back into the workforce. I'll bring in another question here from Dave who asked, uh, my benefit is good through September, but expires at the end of June. Will it uh, be extended automatically? Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people who have this similar uh, question about when this expires and how that will roll over. Uh, can you share more about that? Yes, um, I think that's on everyone's mind. There's many, many claimants whose claim is actually going to expire on June 13th or June 30th, somewhere around there. That is because um, we are required on a quarterly basis to do a full review of every claim 
to make sure that they still qualify for benefits and that they haven't earned additional earnings to qualify them for a new claim or whether they still qualify or not. And so we are going to do automatic reviews of claims come close to June 13th. And um, it'll take us about a week to do that. So we're just gonna ask claimants to please be patient, hang tight. We will get through the automatic reviews of all these claims. If you get an email telling you to please file a brand new initial claim, that's because the review showed that you had earned enough earnings to, to might, which might make you eligible for a brand new initial claim. And so we would ask you to file for that new initial claim and if you qualify for what we call that PUC $25 um, option, then you will get asked whether you want that option or not. But we will do the review automatically and move claimants out to the end um, of the program, which is September 6th. Okay, Christine Donnelly sent us a list of questions. She, of course, writes the Kokua column, and we know many of the people watching today have sent her emails as well. She has a specific one about PUA that she's been getting a lot. I just wanna read what she said. Um, pandemic unemployment assistance pool claimants are being told to document their eligibility based on new rules enacted after the program first began. If they don't comply, the department says the claimants will owe back all the pool money they received since January. Many pool claimants are confused on which documents to provide and how to provide them. And she also wrote that some people are a little bit concerned about emailing um, sensitive information, especially at a time when you know information can be vulnerable. Right. That's correct. Um, the brand new federal requirements passed through this brand new um, extension of benefits requires um, states to verify that individuals do have their own independently established jobs, either they're self-employed or they're independent contractors. Prior to this, um, it was really a self-certification. Yes, I have my own business. Um, yes, it, it was due to the pandemic and that's why I no longer can perform the, the, that work through my own business. This new extension is requiring states to verify it, not just accept self-certification. And so claimants are required to turn in um, documentation. The federal regulations also stated how many days they have to turn in this information. And that's why there is a deadline. And if not turned in on time, then um, benefits will be lost and claimants will be charged for back benefits received as of January 2nd. And so we have a brand new website that we have up on um, the web. And I'm really happy about it because it seems like we're getting a lot of hits and there's a lot of good information on it. I wanna um, give you the address. It's hawaiiunemploymentinformation.com. On that website, we will have um, the requirements that pool claimants need to follow. Um, we'll have some explanation as well as to what type of documents um, they can use to verify that they have their own business. But some of those documents are like your GE license, um, invoices to show that you um, are doing business prior to the pandemic and that you were um, had income coming in. And tax returns, tax returns will show that you had a Schedule C and that you had your own business and that you had income and that you were performing services as an independent contractor or self-employed individual prior to the pandemic. Okay, great. And one more time, that website is Hawaii. Hawaii Unemployment Info, I-N-F-O dot com. Okay, great. Uh, encourage people to head on over there. We have another question, this one regarding uh, overpayment. I stopped filing because I have an overpayment. Is that okay? What can you share uh, any information about those in that overpayment status? 
if you have an overpayment, but your account is still active and you're allowed to keep filing, please continue to file. What happens is if you do not file your weekly claim certifications and it gets past so many days, the system will no longer allow you to file it through the um, automated system. And you're going to have to turn in manual um, what we call claim certifications. So please continue to file your weekly claim certifications if you are still unemployed, even if you have an overpayment issue. I, I want to ask you, you know, there are some governors, and I know this is um, this is not necessarily in your your realm of authority, but is this conversation happening? There are some governors who have decided to take away the federal benefit to try to push people essentially back to the workforce. Um, Hawaii has not done that, uh, but there are some states who really want to just get people back to work and figure that that is one way to force the issue. Is that something that the governor has talked about with you in any capacity? We have discussed what other states are doing. We are looking at um, and continue to look at what path Hawaii will take. It's really a fine balance, um, cutting off benefits while many workers have not yet um, been able to return to work could have a tremendous financial pain and really sabotage our com um, economy as well because you know we are um, flowing money through the economy through unemployment insurance benefits, both federal and state dollars. Yet, you know, not having workers restricts businesses' ability to fully reopen and get the economy robust again. Um, so it hinders the growth of the economy as well. So it's a really fine balance. We have to be careful about the impact on claimants and the need for families to continue to be able to sustain their um, everyday needs, as well as getting the economy robust and helping the employers out there. So it's a really fine balance, and we continue to look at that um, on a weekly basis. I'm wondering if you can share what you're noticing in just the overall landscape of the labor workforce here in Hawaii. Of course, we know that tourism was a big part of that economic engine and with many jobs in that sector. But as tourism slowly begins to rebound, there are many who are still have yet to return to those positions. Have we seen any growth in any other areas? And what is your projection and, and prediction for how the workforce will look uh, overall in Hawaii maybe a year from now? Yeah, so, you know, what we're seeing is that, you know, everyone's talking about how people, our claimants are still attached, but only 30% of the claimants are still attached to their employer, meaning they're partially unemployed, either receiving some um, pay from the employer and partial benefits, or attached but not receiving any income from the employer right now and just getting their unemployment insurance benefits um, on a weekly basis. 30%, that means 70% of the individuals out there are fully unemployed. That means they're not going to be called back by their employer, that they may have to look for jobs in an area where they're not yet um, experienced or suited yet. And so we are now looking here at the Department of Labor of moving forward with um, apprenticeship programs, um, workforce training, getting um, claimants retrained to get into um, a job or profession that they are not um, experiencing right now, but providing them with skills that could help them move forward in a new profession and maybe better themselves in that way. So we do know that the landscape is changing. We do know that um, the businesses out there are moving towards a different um, landscape. We don't really know where it's going to yet. We do know that, you know, the healthcare is a really big and robust economy right now because that's where a majority of 
um, the jobs are because of the economy. The restaurants are coming back slowly. The hotels are picking up slowly. But all of that is um, yet to be seen moving down this road. I want to ask you a question that we ask you every time, which is when do you actually expect to have in-person appointments? We know that you started doing the video conferencing and teleconference by appointment, which I understand is very popular. Uh, but when can we expect any kind of face-to-face? -face? Okay, so we don't yet have a set date, but we are moving towards reopening. Um, we are working with um, the department um, that handles all of the state buildings on a plan to reopen state buildings um, incrementally. We know that we do have a slightly different issue here at Department of Labor because of the um, magnitude of the individuals that would be coming down to the offices. Since we don't yet have a date, but we are moving towards that, we do have, um, in the meantime, other options, like you just mentioned, our appointment system. That has been fantastic. And so um, we did open the appointments on Oahu. We are looking to open on the neighbor island shortly. Um, those appointments are constantly filled. Um, we're being able to clean up claims and help claimants um, every Tuesday and Thursday through that appointment system. And if we can clean up the claim prior to the appointment, we will do that and make sure a claimant gets paid and moves on instead of waiting for the appointment to come um, in a couple of weeks or so. So that has been um, very beneficial. Most of the claimants choose to um, have those appointments through telephone instead of Zoom. We're seeing more than two thirds of those claimants selecting telephone appointments. And so that has helped greatly. We also now again have the call center that's up and running. We take about 800 to 1000 calls a day through the call center. And then we also have um, the emails that we are trying to get through on a daily basis to clean up um, claimants claims. You know, I'm wondering, and I know that you may not have the answer to this, but you know, this uh, a lot of the support that your department has been able to provide has a direct result because of what the federal government was able to pass and the allocation of funds and resources to help the unemployment insurance as well as all the other benefits that it has served here for those who have been impacted by the pandemic. Uh, once that federal money and support runs out and when we sort of return back to operating as a state on our own are you right. all concerned about what that landscape will look like at that point in time knowing that we're not necessarily going to be getting all that financial support and and how that might impact uh, the state and the budget quite frankly moving forward yes actually very much so so we do know that currently september um, 5th ends the um, extension programs at that point those claimants who are not employed who have not found new employment will be out of a job with no benefits. And so now we're starting to talk with, you know, some of the other state agencies that provide other financial assistance or other programs that help um, individuals out in the community who um, are financially strained. And so we are going to be start to work much closer with um, those agencies like Department of Human Services and see what um, we can do on our end to push these individuals to those programs to see what kind of help they can get from these other state agencies. We are also planning to put information up on our website so that claimants know where they can go to see if they can get additional um, help once the programs end. 
There's a question here from Raina. She's asked it several times, so I want to I want to give her an opportunity to ask it. She says, uh, and, and overpayment is something we've talked about at length on this program. But she says, if we ask for our overpayment to be taken out of our benefits, why is that not being done, and our claim still pending for months, or will it be faster to pay the overpayment? What's the best way to sort of clear up a claim like that? I, I know that it it's um, unbelievable, but. A claimant cannot just come in and pay an overpayment and we can't just adjust the overpayment. Because of the federal regulations and because of due process, we have to perform the fact finding. We have to talk to the claimant. We have to talk to the employer. We have to make a formal determination on whether there was an overpayment or not. Also, um, the other requirement that um, is in our federal regulations is we have to determine whether there was fraud or not. And um, this gives anxiety to many claimants because that question is asked every single overpayment a question is asked did you know about the overpayment did you know you're supposed to have reported this and a claims examiner who is doing the adjudication issue must determine whether there was fraud or not if there was no fraud then we would say that the there was no flaw fraud but there was an overpayment and then go through the overpayment process of um taking care of that overpayment with either weeks that were not yet cleared on the unemployment insurance side, or if there's no offset that we could do with the unemployment payments, then we would have a claimant then make a payment um, into our office so that we can get their claim moving forward. You know, we have so many questions, but unfortunately our time is wrapping up here. Um, but we did want to provide you just a closing thought, an opportunity to present a closing thought to those who are watching, who still maybe have some of these pending uh, claims that are out there and just anything else, that any updates that you'd like to share as we close on out here. So I know there are still some claimants out there who are waiting. We are getting through these claims. Um, and I, I can tell we're getting through these claims because we can tell what the workload is looking like and and um, the need out there of those who are reaching out to us um, for assistance. We are trying our very best to get through those claims. We also have that brand new contractor I talked about a, about a month ago who is on board, who is also doing adjudication issues who should be clearing up some of those, some of those issues for us as well. Uh, we will continue to move through these claims through our call center as well as the appointment line. We do plan to open up in, um, soon. I will be announcing that hopefully in the next month or so when that date will be. Um, it, will, it will probably be um, in the next couple of months that we will have um, some way of claimants to come in and you know get some assistance from us. But right now we're not yet there. Um, Please um, be patient um, when these um, June 13th and June 30th end of claims come to be. We will get them automated and moved out through a process that we have internally and that we should get these claims moving much quicker. Okay, and lastly, before you say goodbye, please do give us that website one more time. Okay, it's Hawaii Unemployment Info, not the whole information, just I-N-F-O. Dot com and we've got a lot of good information on there and we will continue to put information on there on a daily basis all right Ampere, thank you so much for joining us again and, and being able to take so many of those questions that we always get coming in whenever you're on the show we really appreciate it thank you thank you for having me again aloha. thank you aloha 
Well, great to hear from her. And if you missed any of this conversation when the live stream finishes, you can watch the rebroadcast. So make sure that you do uh, take a look at it. She did address the issue of the call center. We saw some of those who had logged on late asking about that. The call center is up and running again. They did have to close for a few days uh, starting last week, but they are back open. So that is good news there. Uh, and it does sound, Ryan, like things are progressing, but there are a lot of people who have so many questions about this new work requirement, and that is understandable. Yeah, a lot of different scenarios, uh, as we uh, really tried to point out through this uh, conversation with the director and bringing up very specific questions, but questions that I think that many people are uh, have out there and, and can relate to because of this work requirement and the various scenarios that do exist out there. So definitely, if you missed that beginning half of that conversation, please go back and watch it because it's a great uh, resource and tool. Uh, but again, that new website that she spoke about also helping to get through some of those questions as well. But uh, always great to hear from her. And we can't say that she has agreed to come back once again next month to address more questions because we know that there still continues to be much uh, questions and concerns out there regarding this topic. Yeah, and the other thing that was interesting, I thought, is that she left the door open for possibly ending the federal plus up. That is something that governors in other states have done uh, to try to encourage people to get back into the workforce, um, essentially giving people a push. She said that it's a really fine balance because those federal, that extra $300 dispersed over all those people, obviously uh, has a big economic benefit to the state, not only to those individuals, but just helping to bring more money into Hawaii's economy. Um, on the other hand, that there is a fine balance there. And she says that's something that they dis she discusses with the governor on a weekly basis. So the next time he's on, we'll be sure to ask him what his thoughts are on the plus up. Yeah, a lot of questions that we have for the governor keeps piling up. Every time we get a new guest, we have to uh, add another question to ask the governor. But we will have that uh, conversation with the governor next month. But our next show will feature Dr. Libby Char from the Department of Health, who will be updating us, of course, on the state's vaccination program where we're at right now of course a uh, big news coming out yesterday about the state lifting the mask mandate for outdoor um, wearing uh, still required to wear it indoors but want to get her thoughts on uh, the outlook of the mask wearing what that future looks like and her recommendations to the governor moving forward yeah so we look forward to that conversation we do hope you'll join us right back here at 10 30 on friday until then we hope you have a great week aloha aloha <laughs>